Warning, this episode might be distressing for some listeners. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dystopias are in vogue. Whether it's the current political climate or an overall ideological shift towards cynicism, there has never been a better time to be a fan of dystopian fiction. Publishers like Penguin are raking in millions on the backs of George Orwell books. There has been a nearly 10,000% increase in the sale of George Orwell's 1984 since Trump has become president. From Mad Max and Matrix to Black Mirror and Blade Runner, our minds have been marinating in the gritty portrayals of humanity's dark possibilities for quite some time now. As you may have guessed, I love dystopian stories and in this episode, I want to tell you about two of my favorite dystopian works of art. I also want to make the argument that dystopian fiction goes far beyond its entertainment value and is crucial to the healthy functioning of a society. I am Viral and it's time to be thoughtful. But first, let me tell you how dystopias started. Oh, it was gorgeousness and gorgeousity made flesh. In 1516, Sir Thomas More published a book titled Utopia. It told the story of a perfect imaginary island where there is no crime or poverty. Such an island was not meant to be believable, as the word utopia literally means no place. This laid the foundation for the concept of dystopia. Literally, it's a dis-utopia. And while utopia originated in the 16th century, the word dystopia has been around for a little over a century. It first appeared in the late 19th century, when writers like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells decided that they wanted to explore what we call science fiction, albeit the darker side. You may recall H.G. Wells as the father of science fiction with his 1895 book The Time Machine which many believe to be the first dystopian novel. However, 13 years before that novel, a man named Walter Besant published a book titled The Revolt of Man. Unfortunately, it is about the supposed disastrous consequences should women get to rule over men. It's basically propaganda. And since all dystopian works are deeply political, It was no coincidence that this book was written at the same time that the suffragettes were fighting for women's right to vote. It's funny, the first dystopian novel was written at a time when women did not have the right to vote by a man who believed that women should not have the right to vote. The real world at the time sounds more dystopian than that novel. In mainstream media, dystopias are restricted to subjects like environmentalism or science fiction horror. However, 
they can be about anything you want you can make a dystopia about absolutely any issue that you feel concerned about today i am here to talk to you about two dystopian texts in particular please note that when i say text i mean a body of work in any form not necessarily written books so the two texts i want to discuss today what they both have in common is their setting they are both set in a dystopian near future where women have lost all human rights the first is a canadian novel and tv show called the handmaid's tale written by margaret atwood and the second is an indian independent film called matrubhumi by manish jha and don't worry there are no spoilers in case you are interested in watching them which i highly recommend you do part 1 the handmaid's tale my name is offred i had another name ladies i have to let you go it's the law now you girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives you will bear children for them in 96 margaret atwood published a novel called the handmaid's tale It portrays a dystopian world in which the US government has been overthrown by this totalitarian theonomy which means it's ruled by a bunch of crazy religious people with extremist ideas. Hulu released a TV adaptation of the novel which went on to win 8 Emmy awards. It's a really good show. The world of Handmaid's Tale is horrifying. In their society, most people are infertile. the women who are fertile who can have babies they have been commoditized and enslaved these handmaids have no agency they have been stripped of all their possessions their identity including their names and their bank accounts they are treated like baby making machines our protagonist who is known as offred is one of them and the men are in power here and to retain that power they have banned women from reading books they've banned the use of the word sterile since a lot of the men are sterile the story follows offred's life as she tries to survive this horrible world does she succeed well you'll have to watch to find out with this description even watching the show feels like second hand torture and was it not for its breathtaking visuals its stunning performances and the crazy production value of the show it would be near impossible for me to enjoy a story like this one could almost be forgiven for giving the show a pass i mean it's not like something like this is going to happen in the future right after last year i'm not too sure Moving on to the second dystopian movie. In 2003, a man named Manish Jha released Matrubhumi: A Nation Without Women. It examined the impact of female feticide and female infanticide on the gender balance and stability of society, especially in the rural areas of India. The narrative opens with a village that engages in female infanticide and so much of it that in the future there are no women left in the village. it's just men and the men in desperation have resorted to cross dressing and group screenings of porn to satisfy themselves so in this setting a wealthy father of five sons in that village finds out about a girl living just outside the village and literally buys that girl from her father 
and then this female character who is the protagonist of this movie becomes the object of sexual slavery for the entire family for all the five sons and the father and at some point the entire village the film is horrifying but it drives home a powerful message i'll be honest this movie messed me up it opened my eyes towards something i never paid attention to we city dwelling folks tend to live in our own bubbles sheltered from all the horrors that happened on the outside just something to think about dystopian fiction tends to magnify the issues of the present it acts as a thought starter it warns us about the present behavior of our society and in that both the handmaid's tale and matrubhumi are at once terrorizing and thought provoking they represent a different kind of horror while traditional lovecraftian horror so to speak relies on darkness and jump scares and monsters and things that are unknown this horror instead takes advantage of what's known can't decide which is scarier Fear comes from the knowledge that these horrible things are not entirely impossible. The dread stems from the fact that ideological extremism is a real thing. The monsters from a handmaid's tale did not come from space. The villains in Matrubhumi are not ghosts of an undead soul. They are just people like you and me who took their ideology too far. And to be frank the ultimate scare comes from this nagging thought that no matter how horrifying the situation it's just a few years away from becoming the new normal Hey guys thanks for listening once again I really appreciate some honest feedback from you guys and since we have our website up you can always go to bethoughtfulpodcast.com and leave a review or reach out to me on twitter at the rate bthtfl thanks for listening stay tuned for the friday night movie the duchess approved starring sterling stumbleburgess as the duchess and grafton saint rumpterfrabble as the irascible coxwain sauter blogget hamterfoppenshire